Hallelujah. Hallelujah for the blessings of the Jubilee. Uh, tonight I wanted to begin by just reviewing some highlights that I picked up from the brothers. And uh, I, I want to begin with Craig Berkshire's sharing on message number one. And that was on the Sabbath year being the year of Jubilee. And something he said, I just feel like we need to hear it again, and that is that Jesus is the reality of the Jubilee. Can we all say that? Jesus. And Jubilee was a time of rest, a time of enjoyment, and a time of shouting. Hallelujah. Rest. Let's all say that. Rest. Yes. Enjoyment. Enjoyment. Shouting. Shouting. But without Jesus, without the Jubilee, there is no rest. If we're not experiencing Jesus, we're not experiencing the enjoyment of him, there's nothing to shout about, right? Well, uh, the other thing that he mentioned, and I just feel like this is a, a theme through all the brothers, and that is there's a burden in us, dear saints, that, and he mentioned this, that we would realize the Jubilee and be brought into the Jubilee to the fullest extent. Oh, don't you want to get brought into the Jubilee to the fullest extent? Hallelujah. I want the Jubilee to fill my whole being and fill your whole being. And of course, we realize that Jubilee is a wonderful person. And I just like to remind you of what he said, what the Lord said in Luke 4, 18. He was reading from Isaiah and it, you have these, these two verses. I'd like for them just to get into our ears again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the Lord Jesus there in Luke. This is the beginning of the Jubilee. Because he has anointed me to announce the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To send away in release those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The year of Jubilee. Hallelujah. Jubilee. Everyone say it. Jubilee. Jubilee. Hallelujah. And then, of course, he began, he, he, he rolled up the scroll and gave it back. And then he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Oh, this scripture has been what? Fulfilled. Oh, the Jubilee is here. Hallelujah. He's here. So then going on to the next, the next night, I appreciate with Mark Robbie, he, he pointed out uh, the age, is, this was the subject, it was the age of Jubilee, and the age of Jubilee was the age of Christ as grace uh, for our enjoyment. It's an age of grace. Do you like that term? What, what, what kind of age are we in right now? It's an age of grace. And the age of grace is equal to what? The age of Jubilee. Praise the Lord. And then he's, he said this, I, I'm just quoting, and I think it's, it's, it's something in us all, and it's our burden. God cares about our enjoyment. I care about your enjoyment. I care about my enjoyment, but I care about your enjoyment. We're burdened that you all would experience and enjoy this jubilee every day. And there's a purpose for that. 
But uh, Mark said that, that was the one thing, God cares about our enjoyment. And then the other one was, read your Bible. Let's all say that. Read your Bible. Praise the Lord. The Jubilee is in between the pages of your Bible. Hallelujah. Jubilee is here. Do you want Jubilee? He's here. Amen. Um, and he, he pointed out, how do we live the Christian life? It's by eating him. Let's all say that, eating him. Eating him. And he pointed out, this is through his word. His words are their spirit, their life. And this is how we live the Christian life. It's a life of jubilee. I, 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 I can't tell you how precious this is to me. And then Tom Getz, on the blessing of the Jubilee, the first one had to do with being recovered to God as our portion. And he was burdened that we would experience the Jubilee item by item. And of course, he got into the matter of the good land, item by item. Oh, Deuteronomy 8, wasn't that precious? All the items of Christ. We're burdened that you would experience Christ item by item. You know, that first verse just drives me crazy a little bit. You know, he's bringing you into a good land. A land of what? Water brooks. I just have to tell you, that's one of my favorite words, water. Anyway, water brooks. He's bring, it's a good land. It's a land of what? Water brooks. And springs. And fountains. Oh, deep fountains. And they're flowing forth. Oh, this is... This signifies Christ as the Spirit who now today as the believers, He's flowing in us. He's moving in us. He's gushing up in us. There's a deep fountain in us. And he, he, we can experience Him watering our whole being. Don't you want the water brooks to reach all the thoughts of your brain? Don't you need some washing? <laughs> we need water brooks. We need springs in our emotion. Oh, we need fountains deep within to touch our will, touch our heart. Oh, Lord, may the, the water brooks flow through this week, this week of training. May we really appreciate the Word and, and the Lord, item by item in the Word. And then he pointed out the whole, you know, the whole, uh, uh, was it him? No. Yeah, the land. Anyway, I'll go on to, he, he would say, anyway, he said, God wants to be our enjoyment. And then, yeah, he pointed out, look at Psalms. Look at the Psalms. We need to learn how to enjoy the Lord. Even in a fresh, new way, learn how to enjoy the Lord. You know, don't just take the word and just, at one hand, it's good to memorize, it's good to study, but take the word and enjoy it. Don't you like that word, enjoy? Do you like that word, grace? I do. Um, you know, recently um, in, in our group meetings, we've got some, uh, some Harvard students, and uh, they're just maybe a little bit mental sometimes. And so when you read, when you read the word, um, I, like to, I like to stop them because, you know, for example, I'll, I'll, just, I'll show you what happens. Uh, for example, in John 6, you know, one of these brothers, he's a, he's a football player, and, and um, he'll read it like this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall by no means hunger. He who believes into me shall by no means ever thirst. 
And I just stopped. Wait, wait a minute. And I said, brother, you need to read that again. You need to get the, the, mm, the yum yum. <laughs> There's something yummy here. And you're going too fast. So just slow down and, just, and give us a chance to just say amen, okay? So he, he would do it again. And, and he'd say, Jesus said to them, and everybody said, I am the bread of life. Amen. He who comes to me Amen. shall by no means hunger. Amen. And then I just had to stop. Okay, that's not good enough. Okay. You've got to have some feeling. Don't just read the mere words. But I did notice, uh, yeah, let me finish. And, and you just keep saying amen, okay? Uh, uh, he who comes to me Amen. shall by no means hunger. And you have to get louder. And he who, he who believes in me Amen. shall by no means ever thirst. Amen. Then I said, okay, let's do it again. And all of a sudden, his spirit is getting stirred up by the amen. Didn't you li love last night Ricky's amen? <laughs> I can't do it like Ricky. Amen. Anyway, <laughs> hallelujah for the amen. But eventually, this is what it, this is what it came. This is how it looked. You know, I'll just you can just say Amen. Eventually, it went like this. Jesus said to them, amen. "I am the bread of life." Amen. Oh, the bread of life. Amen. He who comes to me. Amen. He who comes to me. Amen. Oh, me. Amen. He who uh, shall by no means hunger. Never hunger. Amen. And he who believes into me. Amen. Believes into me. Amen. Oh, me. Amen. Oh, shall by no means ever thirst. Amen. By no means. Amen. Ever thirst. Amen. 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 He liked it. <laughs> we all liked it. And we've been doing that quite a bit with some of the ones. Just, I, I. You know, this is, I just call it yum-yum. You know, just it's reading the Bible and getting the yum-yum. Uh, and it was read it till you get the feeling and a taste of the Spirit, taste of the Lord speaking in that verse. Anyway, I'm, let me just go on. Um, again, I'm repeating Tom Guest. God wants to be our enjoyment. Look at Psalms. We need to enjoy the Lord in lots of new ways. Do what you have to do to enjoy the Lord. Then Ricky brought us to the, the message on freedom. And he had the burden that the Lord would enlarge our borders, right? Our borders need to be enlarged because too much we're just bent over. And uh, our experience of the Lord is limited to maybe the very, the home where we, we meet. Or in a corporate gathering. And that's it. But the Lord wants to move wherever we go. Our borders need to be increased, where we enjoy the Lord wherever we are. And I, I can't help but uh, think about Tom. He's not here, but you know, Tom Getz in the last two years has been through so many things. But you know, he shares some things with us, and you realize he has learned to enjoy the Lord in every situation. Um, you know, you can, you can go through some tragic events in your life, and his word to us is, 
he learned to do something. And I really want to repeat it. He learned to what? Go to the Lord and open up. Take a walk and open up. And then, and then unload. Just unload. And, and, then, uh, and then be filled. I think that's what he said, right? Amen. Be filled. So this is... This should be all, all of our experience because how do we make it through all the disappointments in life? We need to learn to enjoy the Lord. And that doesn't mean we're all ecstatic. Um, it means we're really open to the Lord. We unload our being and we let the Lord fill us again. Give us something fresh and new every day. Um, and then Ricky pointed out that his burden was that we would see the binding factors of Satan. You know, in his schemes, and I think that was there was a, a clear presentation there, and we realized I think many of you were touched. We're still too much under those binding factors, and but he gave us good news because what is what do we have? We have a treasure. What's the treasure? The law of the spirit of life. Oh, I when I hear about that one, I get crazy because I feel like. If the law of the spirit of life can free us from the law of sin and death, that is incredible. You know, he discovered a law that stops the sinning uh, element within man. You know, that's, that's Nobel Prize worthy, isn't it? Wouldn't you like to bottle that up and give it to the whole world? That's what we're doing. That's the Jubilee. That's what needs to be spread. Oh, he is this treasure in us. That is the law of the spirit of life that frees us from the law of sin and of death. Wow, what a law. We just cooperate a little and just say what? Amen. Amen. I can't do it. Amen. Amen. Anyway, that's Ricky. Hallelujah. Anyway, just return to the Jubilee. The point is, we have the Jubilee. Do you have the Jubilee? Tell your neighbor, you have the Jubilee. Okay, just keep returning. Stay there. Stay with him. Stay in this Jubilee. And one of the the lines there, we need to see the treasure, the law of the spirit of life. What does it do? It frees us and it works, let's all say this, automatically. Spontaneously. Effortlessly. Wow. It's not about our effort. It's about touching the Spirit. The law will work. It's just a matter of touching Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Let's just say, oh, Lord. Jesus. Oh, the law is working to free us from the law of sin and death. Wow. What a wonderful discovery. We all need to discover this every day. Okay, then, you know, this is what's been going on in the, in the, you know, from a little high level in, in each of the meetings. And then I just wanted to give a testimony, uh, a testimony of, of my experience. Uh, when I was young, I grew up in, in the Brethren Assemblies. I think that's the same as Ricky. But for me, <clears throat> I wasn't as good a good brothers he I, I, 
I was bad at memorizing, and they wanted me to study all the time, and, and I, was, I wasn't very good at that. So uh, I, I noticed as I was there, although I appreciated the, the saints that were there, growing up among them, even after I came to church life, I went back, and I thanked some of these ones that cared for me as a young person. I really appreciated their care. And the, I got a lot of help from the teachings. But it was, there was no enjoyment. There was, there was no life. And uh, they had, they had the, the teaching about the priesthood of the believers, that we all should be functioning priests. And uh, all, in fact, my older brother, they tried to, they got him to preach a little sermon one time. And uh, it was so bad, it killed him, it killed everybody there. And he never, he never spoke again, and he didn't want to. Um, anyway, it, I just never heard the word enjoy until I came to the church life. And I don't know about you, but listen, I love that word grace. I, I ran across this word when I came to the church life, grace, and I'm, I'm, I'm relating this back to the, the Jubilee. This is an age of grace, isn't it? The Jubilee, Jesus, is full of grace. And you just consider some of the verses in the Bible. When I first came to church life, I just couldn't believe it. Grace was everywhere. You know, he was full of grace and reality. You know, the, uh, uh, of his fullness that we all receive grace upon grace. You know, the, the law was given by Moses, but what? Grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. Um, so many verses. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And then this one verse that really was so amazing to me was be empowered in the grace. Be empowered in the grace. Wow, then you have Paul. I labored more abundantly than they all, but yet not I, but the grace that was with me. So grace labored. And then eventually even Paul, he had a problem with a thorn in the flesh. And he went to the Lord three times, and the Lord didn't take it away. And the Lord told him and said, instead, my strength is made perfect in weakness, or my power is made perfect in weakness. And so he told them, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace. Oh, he just referred him to what? Grace. Let's all say grace. grace. See, it's easy to say grace, but you got to have to say grace. grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus. You know. Amen. So grace was just a tremendous word to me when I first came to the church life. Um. But let me, let me go on. I'll come back to this. Um, later on uh, in college, I, I, just, I just went my own way. I was really kind of like a prodigal, not quite like, like him. But anyway, we're, we all know what it is to be a prodigal. And we went away from the Lord, and I, that's what was happening in college. Until, brothers and sisters, it just, I just want to tell you how wonderful the Lord Jesus is. He stopped me. He stopped me. Um, I, was, I was working at a bank and going to school during the day. And one night at the bank, I was looking out the window at night. So it's a black window. You know, it's black because it's nighttime. And I saw a silhouette. 
and the silhouette was of me. But when you look at the silhouette, it looked like, like George Washington <laughs> because I had long hair, and so it was kind of strange looking. But, but anyway, that's not the point. The point is the, Lord's, <laughs> the Lord spoke to me. He said, it was very, very interesting, and you have to realize, I had not been pursuing the Lord. I was not looking for the Lord. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't meeting with Christians. Um, but the Lord came. He came, and he just spoke something really deep within. He said, is that really you? In other words, are you really a hippie? <laughs> And I said, and I, had the, and I had the sense, it's not really me. It's just outward form, you know. And then he said something else. He said, are you going to give your life to that? And that really bothered me. And that was, that was so touching to me. That night, I went and I had a walk, and I began to talk to the Lord. And the more I talked to the Lord, the more I began to, to confess the tears flowed, and I just poured out my whole life to the Lord. And the Lord was so precious. He filled me to the brim. And after that, I just, I just, after that, it was all over. I just, I've got to find where the Lord is. Where is he? What is he doing? So I began to seek the Lord. I began to seek the Lord. And I went to a lot of different places. You know, I went to all kinds of places. I, I went to the charismatic places and Pentecostal things. I got into speaking in tongues, you know, quote, quote. And, uh, uh, you know, I, lear I learned to do something I didn't do in the brethren. I don't know if Ricky ever did this. Ricky, did you ever raise your hands and praise the Lord and the brethren? Whoa! <laughs> that must be the New York version. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, it was... I got some help. You know, I learned to, I actually learned to open my mouth and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Shout to the Lord. It was, it was nice. But I was sitting there and I'm just looking and I, and, and doing this, you know, the, the tongue speaking and quote, quote. And then, uh, I just had the sense, Lord, there's got to be something else. You know, I just, what, what is it? You know, where are you? Where are you? And I told my best friend, I said, Danny, I, I just feel like the Lord's about to bring me into the highest thing going on in the universe. And, uh, of course, he didn't believe it, but it really happened. The Lord brought me into the biggest thing going on in the universe. Amen. Shortly thereafter, this is what's awesome to me. It's kind of a simple situation, but uh, uh, I was looking for the Lord, and I had a, a brother who was enjoying the Jubilee at the university where I was, and he was in my tennis class. And uh, after class one day, um, and I do remember, I beat him in tennis, you know. And, <laughs> but anyway, we went to class, and then before he went one direction, I went the other. Um, he, he stopped me, and he said, can, can I share something I enjoyed from the, from the Bible? And I was like, okay, sure. And so he shared a little something from Ephesians. I don't remember what he shared. It was good. But what, 
one thing that just kind of stood out when I walked away, like, who is he? What kind of, I never heard a Christian ever share something they enjoyed from the word. I never heard the word enjoy. And then that really puzzled me. Enjoy? He enjoyed the word? And uh, that was just like, wow. That's, that's new. That's different. Anyway, I, I made the mistake. Not really. I got him to work with me at the bank I was, where I was working part-time in the evenings. And what do you think he did? Grace. <laughs> Enjoyment. And then he'd be calling on the Lord. We'd go to dinner somewhere. And we're going, we're, we're right in downtown Houston. And we're going to dinner. And he's just, oh, Lord Jesus. And I'm just like, what is going on with this guy? <laughs> Lord Jesus. And, and he was just so happy. And I just, oh. I, I, was, I was getting mad. And, and uh, but I didn't say anything. But that night, I did go home, and I looked up calling on the Lord in the Bible, and it was everywhere. <laughs> and then I just I asked, Lord, what's the deal? Why am I so bothered? And he, I had the sense from the Lord, he was just saying, because he's one with me, and you're not. I just, I'm not enjoying. I'm not touching the Lord. And again, that that was just some of the little things the Lord was doing to kind of bring me this way. And uh, um, in, in fact, while I was seeking the Lord, one of the things, this goes along with maybe something else that we've shared this week, and that is I really wanted the Lord. I want to know where he is and what he's doing. And at one point, I, uh, the enemy gave me a proposal because I was going to different churches and so forth and and, um, and then I had, I had this thought come in, oh, well, you should, you should go here. They have a basketball league. And, uh, and then, I, you, know, ah, you know, I liked basketball. And the Lord just touched me and said, it was very clear. Do you want me or basketball? It was like right there as clear as day. And I just... Lord, I want you. I just dropped it. I didn't take a second longer to even consider it. Lord, I want you. I want to find you. And uh, anyway, that brother brought me to a meeting, and the rest is history. Except for the fact I began enjoying grace. And this word grace was so big to me. And I found my wife. We got married. She was there. And uh, we had a baby. And, of course, we had five. I ha we have five girls and uh, this was our first daughter. And uh, what do you think we named her? Grace. And uh, I do have to say this. This is kind of a little footnote. And that is there's, there's a grandson and a granddaughter here, David and Lauren. I'm going to embarrass you to death. Could you stand up real quick? Where are they? Oh, there's David. Where's Lauren? Oh, Lauren, yay. <laughs> anyway, they are the children of Grace. <laughs> Grace and Kevin, amen. Isn't that awesome? These are my oldest grandkids. I've got about 
I got about 10 more. Hallelujah. <laughs> but these are the oldest ones. And here they are in the college training. Praise the Lord. This is a result of grace. Hallelujah. You know, I did want to, you know, I, you know, there's one other thing I was going to ask. Uh, I'm going to ask Jeremy. No, 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 just, just say that, just a real quick question. <laughs> Jeremy, what is the last word in the entire Bible? Wrong. Okay, Angel, do you know what it is? No. Ray. Andrew. <laughs> no. The last word in the Bible is Ricky's little word. Amen. Amen. That's how the whole Bible ends. Amen. But what's the verse? Yeah, 22, 21, the verse says, what is it, Matthew? Not quite. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. The grace. And, and listen to this. I, I, was, I was in Irving, Texas, uh, and I was mowing. And uh, I was getting over to the edge in the, ditches, in the ditch at the, at the meeting hall there, the training center at the time. And, and I, was not, I was not doing well. I was out of it. I was dead. Um, and I was just going through the, the routine, mowing. Then I got to the, the ditch. And you know what happens in the ditch? That's, that's where the grass is taller, and it catches all the trash. So you don't want to mow in there because a piece of a paper gets cut into a thousand pieces everywhere, right? And so, um, anyway, I, I, there was a piece of a paper all wadded up, and so I went to pick it up, and of course, I'm really out of it. But I pick it up, and guess what it was? It was the last page of the Bible with the footnotes on there. And I, I'm sorry, I just have to read you what I read that day, it was incredible. And it's Revelation 22, 21, regarding grace. And here it is. Um, sorry, I had to get to it. Should have been there. Okay, 22. All right. So I read this, I picked it up, and I just started reading it. Of course, I'm, not, I'm dead. But, uh, but it was so enlivening. I, I can't tell you how good this was. And you just listen to this. Tell me how good this is. After seeing all the visions and hearing all the prophecies in this book, book of Revelation, we still need the Lord's grace. And I was like, Whoa. And then only the grace, listen to this, only the grace of the Lord Jesus can enable us to live and walk according to these visions and prophecies. Then he goes on, not only this book, but also the entire Bible closes with this grace. Wow. 
I wasn't saying wow yet, but anyway. The grace that enables us, listen to this, the grace that enables us to experience the all-inclusive Christ and participate in the triune God that we may become his eternal corporate expression for the fulfillment of his eternal purpose. Listen to this, that, this is the part that just, I, it just melted me. So we have this grace that enables us to live and walk and enjoy the all-inclusive Christ and live according to the visions we've seen. The whole Bible ends with this grace. We still need it. And he says, eventually, the triune God has a way uh, for his eternal corporate expression to be carried out for the fulfillment of his eternal purpose that he and we, why don't you repeat after me? He and we may enjoy Enjoy absolute, absolute. Satisfaction. satisfaction and complete rest, and complete rest. Mutually. mutually for eternity. For eternity. Woo, hallelujah. hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Grace is needed. <laughs> the whole Bible ends with we need this grace. It will bring about the satisfaction of God's heart, his rest. Uh, the satisfaction between us mutually for eternity. Anyway, I just wanted to share that with you for some reason. Anyway, then, uh, um, okay, let's go to the outline. <laughs> what time is it? Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, so this, this message is on being returned to what? The church as our divine family. Would you look around and see what you see here? What do you see? Amen. These are your folks. Yeah, the divine family. Well, the Jubilee, the third aspect of the Jubilee is it returns us. Returns us to the, our divine family. Um, you all know Leviticus 25:10. Why don't you why don't you quote it? Oh. Shall be a jubilee for you and each of you to your possession. Each turn to his family. Hallelujah, return to his family. Okay. There's a, there's a verse here, but we'll get into it later. You all know Ephesians 2.19. Jeremy, you got it? No? Ify, do you have it? Okay. So then, so then, you are no longer strangers and sojourners. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We're what? Of the household of God. Members. I used to have a, a jacket that said members only. But we don't care about that kind of members. I don't know what kind of members that was. But this is members of the household of God. Tell your neighbor you're a member. 
of the household of God. Yeah, amen. Okay, Roman numeral two, let's all read this together. The Jubilee is illustrated who returned to his possession and to his father's house. Now, I don't know if you know what prodigal means. I, I looked it up, you know, I have an idea. But in, uh, in the dictionary, it said that it's a, it's, it's a person who's characterized by pro, profuse, wasteful, reckless expenditures. The prodigal son, he returned to his possession and to his what? Father's house. Um, and I, what I want to do now, if you could just bear with me, you may have this. You could look in, in Luke 15. I, I want to just read through, and there's certain um, phrases I want to highlight or underline. Um, and he said, a certain man, this is Luke 15, 11, and some of, you have this memorized, some of this, right? Which ones do you have memorized? 24? Okay, get ready. I'll call on you. Uh, anyway, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me, and he distributed to them his living. And not many days after, the younger son, having gathered everything together, went abroad to a distant country, distant country, and there squandered his estate. What does squandered mean? It means spend foolishly, wastefully. Another, another kind of spending. Squandered his estate by living dissolutely. Dissolutely means lacking restraint. Just lacking restraint. And even um, it's a, it's, to live dissolutely is a, is a lifestyle of degrading aspects of the fallen human nature. So it's pretty low, right? So anyway, that was living dissolutely. Verse 14, and when he had spent all, spent all, a severe famine occurred throughout that country, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed hogs. Have you all memorized the next one? Not yet? What verse did you start on? 20, okay. And he longed to be satisfied with the carapods, with the hogs, which the hogs were eating, and no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. This is, this is, this is a sad state. You know, it reminds me a little bit of the, the one who left Jerusalem in Luke 10. He left Jerusalem. He went down to Jericho. And what happened? First of all, he left Jerusalem, which was a city of peace, and he went down to Jericho, which was a city of curse. And so he leaves it, and on the way he gets beat up and robbed and left for dead. And there are some that came along. A priest came along, a Levite came along, and uh, nobody cared. He was just left there to die. But the Good Samaritan, the Lord Jesus, a picture of the Lord Jesus uh, signifying him, came, and he poured oil and, wound, and, uh, poured oil and wine into his wounds and brought him to what? The end. Maybe the end is a type of the church. Hallelujah. Anyway, so uh, nobody cared. Nobody cared. But when he came to himself, he said, praise the Lord, he came to himself. He 
said, how many of my father's hired servants abound in bread, but I am perishing here in famine. I will rise up and go to my father. Praise the Lord. He had the right. That, that's a good thing. I will rise up. Let's all say that. Rise up. Rise up. Go, to go to my father. And then he, he, he came up with something. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And Anyway, then verse 20. How about the sisters? Can you quote it? Amen. Brothers, 21. But the father, amen. But the father said to his slaves, bring out quickly the best robe. Put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. All together, 23 and 24. And being the ring. And be, amen. Eat and be merry. Dead, lives again, lost, and has been found. And they began to be merry. Okay, we'll come back to some of these points. I just kind of wanted to read through it, and re, we'll refer back to it. So point A, let's all read A. Right. And then one, I'll, I'll read it. The prodigal son went abroad to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance. And you see the verse here in Hebrews, which is referring to Esau, who for one meal gave up his own birthright. Dear saints, don't give up your birthright. You have an inheritance. Don't give it up for some, something soulish, something for your own pleasure. You need to treasure your birthright. Esau gave it up. Um, then, A, the distant country signifies the satanic world. And there's a verse here, 1 John 2.15. Do you know what that is? Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. This is a strong statement uh, by John. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. You know, this was, this was bothersome to me when you, when you read this and you realize that I could, there, there could be something in me missing. I may not have love for the Father. I may love the world and love some things in the world, and my love for them has, has done something to me. It's, it's, it's affected me. It's caused there to be no love in my heart for the Lord. This is a serious thing. Do you want to lose your love for the Lord? No. We want to never, never give up our love for the Lord. We have to maintain our loving relationship for Him and let not, not let anything come in to uh, steal away our love, to usurp or occupy us. And what you realize, there's a footnote here, and you can see that the world, there's two aspects of the world. There's the material world, and, and the system that's related to it that God made. But there's also the world that has been usurped by the enemy. 
and the, the world is like, a, it's like a big university that has all these curriculums, all these things that you can get into, and he has, he has a curriculum just for you. John Jim, he's got a curriculum for you. And it may not be the curriculum that affects somebody else, but it could really affect you. It could become the world to you. You know, there's, um, there's, there's culture, there's education. Even education can be a, a field that can, you, it can just eat you up. It becomes everything to you. And we know that the, we're learning the Generation Z this is a big to them, big thing to them. It's security and financial success. This is big to them, more than, than, than any of the other generations uh, in a long time, as far as I know. So the enemy wants to usurp. He wants to get hold of you and, and keep you and possess you. And then also, he, if, if he doesn't do that, at least he can occupy you. And may occupy your, your whole life. You know, there was a man that I worked with. Uh, I was in, in business for about 20 years in one company. And this one, this old guy uh, was leaving work. And he couldn't, he had to stop because he couldn't breathe well. And uh, he smoked and, and uh, he just had a hard time. And I just stopped and I just talked to him for a moment before I went to my car and and I, I asked him, you know, what have you learned? You know, I can't remember what I asked him, but all I remember is what he said. He says, I have one regret. He said, you know, giving my life to the data processing world, you know, especially in the early days where it took up all your time because it's it a whole new uh, technology realm going on at the time. And he said, I regret that I never got to know my children. And now they're gone. And he just regretted that he never, that the world to him was his business. It was commerce. And uh, it's just sad. You know, there's entertainment. There's all kinds of things. I think Ricky has really covered this quite well. But, you know, it's so easy for these things to occupy our heart. Uh, there's, there's the social media. You know, I, I got Facebook, Facebook a long time ago. And it's mainly when Steve, Stephen Yell mentioned it to me at UCLA when we were there. And he mentioned it, and he was bothered. You know, what, what do I do? I, I see things on there that bothers me, you know. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know what he do. I don't want to know everything about the saints. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I got on Facebook. But I really didn't use it that much. But one, one, one night, it was about 11 o'clock, and for some reason... You know, I don't know if something popped up or what, but I just got in this to see what, you know, what's new or something. Listen, it was at least two hours. Two hours later, at one in the morning, I finally stopped. But I just went on and on and on and on. Oh, that, oh this one and that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know they were married. Oh, da, 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 da. <laughs> and, and really, after that... That did it. Okay, I am not going to ever do that again. That, that is not going to happen. That was, I just couldn't believe it. It, it seemed like time just went, it, it was just like a few minutes. But it was two hours. I was so into it. And, 
you know, I, I was reminded of, of what Paul said. You know, Paul said, I will not come under the power of anything. Let's all say that. I will not come under the power of anything. Okay, I need to hurry. Um, B, let's all, let's all read this. The world is versus the church, the Father's house. And then two, after the prodigal son had spent all, a famine occurred throughout that country. He was forced to feed hogs, and he was perishing from hunger. Then I'll read A and B. Feeding hogs signifies unclean businesses, uh, business in the satanic world. And B, famine denotes dissatisfaction. If a person is without God in the world, no matter how prosperous his career, how numerous his achievements, or how high his position, he will have a great sense of dissatisfaction. Do you believe that? You have to believe that. It's absolutely true. And the Lord Jesus himself, you know, you see it in John 14. He told the woman, 413, and the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again, showing that you'll just still thirst. And in John, uh, John 7 and 39, when he stood up, he cried out, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And they've been drinking all week. You remember the story? And so it was a feast. And they've been drinking all week. And of all things, the Lord waits till the last day. And this was a feast, you know, where they were celebrating all their success, their achievements for the whole, you know, the, for the year. And guess what? Um, he, uh, he cried out, if any, anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What was he saying? He's basically saying, you'll still be thirsty. After your success, after your achievement, you'll still, you still need to come to me and get living water that will satisfy you. All the other won't satisfy. Okay. Um, then we come to B. This is, this is really a, a key point. When he came to himself, the prodigal son returned to his father and his father's house. This was the year of jubilee to the son. Uh, this, is, this is very precious. This is when he experienced the real jubilee. What, what happened here? Um, you, you know the story. I think Tom went over it a little bit with us. But I just want to repeat a little bit. And that is, he was, he came to himself. He realized he was... He was perishing in famine, and he decided, I will rise up and go to my father. And, and that's what he did. He rose up, came to his father. And what, what do you see? You see this most precious thing, and that is the loving father. The loving father saw him, saw him while he was a long way off, right? He saw him, and he was moved with compassion, moved with compassion, and what did he do? He ran, he fell on his neck, he embraced him, he kissed him. Uh, the father was so happy. On one hand, you realize that the son, he just, it's, on one hand, it's the parable of the, of the prodigal son, but there's another side here. There's the parable, parable of the loving father. He is a loving father, and you have to really see what's going on in his side too. But to begin with, we'll just consider this prodigal son, what did he experience? What happened? He decided after he came to himself, 
that he needed to return to his father and repent, basically. But just that he would rise up and come to the father was a big thing. But the father was there all the time waiting. He wasn't in the house. He was outside the house. Obviously, he saw him while he's a long way off. And he ran. This is the only verse in the Bible where you see that God ran. It's a picture of, of the father, God. Anyway, the father ran to embrace him. He was so happy. And then right away after the son, you know, the son, he, he was probably thinking about, I'm, what am I going to say? You know, am I going to knock on the door and, hey, father, can I come in or can I talk? Or, you know, but he was just surprised. Everything was just totally different than what he expected. Um, and that's the way it is with us. Dear saints, we need to just, we need to realize we all, we all get into the same situation as this prodigal. And what we need to do is return. We need to return again and again and again. Let's all say that, return. return. Keep coming back to him. And of course, what happened, what did he enjoy? He enjoyed the best robe. The father stopped, stopped him. Bring out the best robe. He had a robe prepared for him. And so he brought the robe out, put it on him. And he put a ring on his finger and he put sandals on his feet. What does the robe signify? The robe signifies Christ as our righteousness. And the ring signifies the sealing spirit. And the sandals signify the power of the spirit to separate us from the world and to help us in our walk. Well, do you realize what the that was enjoying? He was there. He was matching the Father. All of a sudden, in his rags and dirtiness, the Father, in his compassion, had the robe ready and put Christ on him. Put Christ on him. Now you're right. You're right. You're right with the Father. You've got the best robe. You match the Father. And the ring on your finger and the sandals on your feet showing that the, 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 you know, the, the ring on the finger uh, sim symbolizes the, the sealing of the Spirit. And once you're sealed, that shows who you belong to. May meaning, this prodigal belongs to the Lord. I mean, to the Father. And so I, I'm, I'm trying to relate this to how we see ourselves. Do we need to, what do we need to do, saints? We need to return again and again. And I hope, and, I, and my burden is that with so many of us, that we would return to the Father all the way. Because it's, you're not just returning to Him. You're re returning to His house. You're returning to your divine family. But I would just say this, all of you, right now, do you realize that there's these aspects of Christ that right now they're clothing you, they're on you? Have you all returned? Did you return to the Lord this morning? What are you wearing? We have the best. Stoby, what are you wearing? Right. Amen. You have the best robe. Tell your neighbor you have the best robe. <laughs> you're, you're wearing a, a, a garment that's splendor. It's royal. You have a, a garment that just signifies Christ, Ian. Ian, you've got Christ all over you. Hallelujah. It's Christ as our righteousness. Do we have any righteousness of our own? All our righteousness is filthy rags. Christ is our righteousness. Let's all say that Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. 
He's the eternal spirit that has sealed us. We, we belong to the Lord. We have sandals on our feet. We're separated from the dirt of this world. We have the power of life to walk in Him. But you know what? The prodigal son is still hungry, isn't he? Is, he, is, that, is that it? You know, if you're there, you got the robe, you got the ring, you got the sandals. What's next? What would you be asking, Ian? Where's the food? <laughs> food. Well, right away, quickly, you know, get the fattened calf, slaughter him. Let us eat. Let us eat and be merry. And this is, this is the Lord's heart for us. His, he is full of compassion because he wants to be everything to us and eventually be the one who supplies us with himself as our life supply, our enjoyment. Listen, where does that happen? That happens in the house. It's in the house. Dear saints, let's go on. I want to get to the next point. Oh, yeah, one other thing I just want to remind you of. Here it says the father, he was moved with compassion. And do you realize that every time you come to the Lord, every time when you wake up in the morning, you're, you're a long way off, often when you wake up. Are you right there with the Lord when you wake up? Sebastian, where are you? Long way off, okay. Well, you know, there's a, his compassions are new every morning. They're fresh every morning. So do be reminded, regardless of where you were yesterday or any time, when you come back to the Lord, he's not there condemning. He's there, he's there to just clothe you, to give you the spirit, to feed you, to bring Bring you into enjoyment of the fattened calf. The Lord, was, the Lord was slain for this. He was slaughtered for us to be our food supply. Um, you know, there was a verse that I ran across in my reading that touched me. It was Mark 7, 6. I hope you would pay attention to this. This is very touching. This, this is the Lord Jesus talking. This people, that's Mark 7, 6. This people honors me with their lips but their heart stays far away from me, far away from me. And, you know, I don't want to be a person who just honors the Lord with our lips. And my heart stays far away. That's a terrible thing. And sometimes I think many in the church life, they come, they may honor the Lord with their lips, but their heart stays far away. I hope we would all give our hearts to be with the Lord in the church, caring for his interest, not far away. Lord, don't, keep, don't let our hearts stay far away. Even sometimes it stays far away for too long, right? And then the heart gets cold, the heart gets hard. Oh, it's not easy. Uh, Lord, keep us. Keep our heart coming back all the way to you. And actually the verses in Ephesians 2 really help, and that is, you know, we were far off. And, uh, but now we're near in the blood of Christ. We were all apart from Christ. And we were far off, just like the prodigal. But we're made near in what? Did you get it? We're made near in the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Um, 
Okay. Then point, uh, point A says God it's universal, omnipresent, yet he's, located, he's a located God. God is located in his house. And there's this verse here, Psalm 27.4. Are you familiar with that? That's, I'll sing it to you. You can say amen. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I hope we all have this desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. This was my experience when I came to the Church Life Saints. I just wanted to be here till the Lord comes back. I love the Lord and I love the church. And I want to dwell in the house all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. What a blessing. Then uh, there's some other verses here that I, I really like. Matthew 6, 8, you're familiar with this. You know, the Father knows the things that you need. And then 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Do you believe that? You're all familiar with this, right? Um, let's all say, seek first the kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I remember sharing that with some ones in, uh, in which one of my daughters was there, and uh, she uh, she heard this, and it had and it had to do with just looking to the Lord. You know, for your spouse, and I don't need to be talking about that with you, but, but anyway, uh, I just wanted to put this in the, in the young people. Just seek the Lord. Seek his kingdom, and all the things you need will be, will be added to you. And later on, my daughter, she, she told me, she said, she knew that as a father, she was still not married, and she's in her mid-20s, and she says, Dad, I know you're worried. <laughs> she says, but it's Okay. I believe the Lord has someone for me. And I knew she got that from just that one verse. And so I just, I thank the Lord. I was, I was at peace. And uh, sure enough, she just, she began to serve the Lord. She continued to serve the Lord. She didn't know where her husband would come from. But she was loving the Lord, serving the Lord, giving her life for the Lord's kingdom. And out of the blue, really, amazingly, a brother from, from New Zealand, a kiwi, you know, <laughs> you know, whoa, what's this? Communication. And, and you know, where she, she was in Montreal, serving in Montreal because she was burdened, you know, to go to Europe and, you know, she knew French. And, but she's there, and the next thing you know, boom, and it's all over. She's living in, in New Zealand for a little bit, and next thing you know, she moves to London, and now they have three kids. And they both serve the Lord. He's involved in woodland camp to the uttermost. And I'm blessed. I don't have to worry anymore. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just seek first the kingdom. All you things you need will be added to you. I want you to, I want to, you to believe that. Then two, 
uh, as God's dwelling place, the church is both God's house and his household, his family. The church life is a matter of life and enjoyment. Um, there's some wonderful verses here. I wish you'd look them up. One says in Psalm 68, God causes the solitary to dwell in a household. Are you a solitary one? He causes the solitary to dwell in a household. Amen. Okay, B, let's all read this. In the church life, no, we in the church life are members of God's family. Therefore, we are home. How pleasant is the church as God's family. And we'll sing one of these songs in a few minutes. One of them is God's home is the church. You know, our home is the church. You know that song, right? How does it go? I got, got, we're home, home in the church. <laughs> it's okay. We don't have time for it. Anyway, hallelujah. But it comes, it, it, it leads us to the next big point. All, let's all declare Roman numeral three. The parable of the prodigal son speaks not only of the son's need, but of the father's need. The father's need for the son to return to his house was greater than the son's need. Isn't that something? You have to realize our father, our father, he needs, he needs us more than we need him. On one hand, we need him because we're so short, we're needy, we fail. But he needs man. We need to declare the whole, to the whole world, God needs man. He needs man for his household. He needs man to have a place of rest, a place to carry out his will, to accomplish his eternal purpose. He needs the church as the household. Let's, uh, let's go to Rome, uh, point A after that. We need to turn our eyes from the earth to heaven to see a need that is immensely greater than man's need, God's need. And there's verses here that show us that he predestinated us unto sonship, and this was through Jesus Christ, and it was according to the good pleasure of his will. He has a good pleasure. Saints, he has a good pleasure. And that good pleasure is according to his will to carry out something that would satisfy him. It would defeat his enemy. It would be rest to him. It would be satisfaction to him. But he needs us. This is what was so impressive to me when I first came to church life. It wasn't about me just here enjoy, enjoying grace. We're all enjoying grace, but we're here for God's house. Oh, God's home is the church. This is where he will carry out his intention. You know, when he said, I love, I, I lo he loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Listen, he means it. This is not just, you know, uh, okay, that's good. He did that. No, he loves the church and he gave himself up for her. And you know, in Matthew, he, uh, he's, he said clearly, if, if he, what did he say? I will build my church. I will. I just, I want this to get in our, let's all say, I will build my church. This is his desire. I will. We get to participate in the most wonderful thing going on in the universe. Something that will satisfy his heart's desire. We can become, we can be his household. We can be his family. And we are. And he, what does he want to do? He wants us to build it up. 
He needs others to, to, to be brought into the household so that he can accomplish his purpose. This is worth giving our lives to, saints. When I came this way, I didn't come this way just to have fun or to have enjoyment. I can tell you, the Lord has been so precious through all the years. He's shepherded me all my days. And I, I, I just, this week I was just thinking about all the saints everywhere that I've got to know and cared for, had been with in Houston and Arlington and Irving and L.A. and, you know, different places and, and abroad, other countries. There's so many precious saints. This, we're in his household. It's the most wonderful thing to be in his household. Oh, this is where the real enjoyment is. If we're not enjoying our household, our divine family, we are really short of enjoyment and rest ourselves. The Lord is looking for that rest, and he needs us. Um, okay. B, God needs the church as a house to rest, to do his will, to accomplish his eternal purpose. In that verse, he says, I will build my church. See, the church is God's goal, his desire, and his destination. In Psalms, you find these verses, Jehovah has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. This is my resting place forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. Do we care what the Lord desires? What does he desire? A habitation, a dwelling place, a home. He desires it. And I'm going to skip over to, well, no, I need to go back. Uh, oh, yeah, then there's the verse here in Isaiah 66. One, you all should pay attention to this. Thus says Jehovah, heaven is my throne, and the earth is the footstool for my feet. Where then is the house? The house that you will build for me. And where is the place of my rest? Oh, Lord, my rest. Let's all say that, my rest. My rest. The Lord needs rest. Do you care about the Lord's rest? Jeremy, you care about the Lord's rest? Amen. I care about the Lord's rest. Will, do you care about the Lord's rest? Amen. We need to all care for this. This should be our, what we love more than anything else. Everything else is second to loving the Lord and loving what's on his heart, and that is to have a house. This is his dwelling place. He's not just in the heavens. You know, he's looking for a place on earth, and he is. He's got it. He's got a dwelling place. You know where it is? It's in you. It's in you. Where is he dwelling? Tell your neighbor where he's dwelling. Yeah. Okay, so we must value, appreciate, and treasure the church. Anyway, I just, we want to sing a song real quick. And I know that we're running out of time, but can we still sing it? Yeah. Um, I think it, it, it uh, has the sentiment that I feel that we all should feel. This is um, 12, what was it? Uh, it's, it's never did a dream before, wherever that is. 1238, okay. <laughs> I hope as you sing this song, you realize this is, the, this, is, this is our sentiment, and I hope it would be your sentiment. There's never, there's never been a place like this on earth. Listen, we have, we have a big household. You know, the Lord said if you follow him, if you follow him, you'll receive a hundredfold. 
mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and houses and lands and just look at them. This is your inheritance. This is your, this is your house. Just take a look at everyone. Everyone in the, in the upper deck, could you say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The lower deck, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's all say, we're his household. We're his household. We're his divine family. We're his divine family. Okay, let's sing this song.